0: the Pandora Papers. This follows the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers. Um, Basically, it's a new report uh, that shows us how, I mean, you name it, world leaders, some very, very powerful politicians, billionaires, celebrities, athletes, race car drivers, all of them have used offshore accounts to shield assets that are collectively worth trillions of dollars. This goes back about 25 years, but it's always happened, right? It's a report by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists involving 600 journalists from 150 media outlets in 117 countries. And as I said, hundreds of people are wrapped up in this, even religious leaders, uh, using mansions, beachfront property, yachts, all kinds of stuff to conceal how much money they actually have, and some of their dealings. So let's get some insight on the Pandora Papers and what we can learn from it. We're joined now by Dr. May Hensmith, a researcher at McGill University in the Faculty of Law and University of Cambridge in the Department of Sociology. Doctor, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Hi, how are you today? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Um oh, good. Thank you. When we're taking a look at these Pandora Papers, I don't like. It doesn't surprise me. I've always sort of assumed that the rich and powerful have ways of doing these things and have been doing it for a long time. Were you surprised by it?
1: Actually, that's a really um, interesting um, reaction that you had because um, it's a reaction that's that's across Canada and across the world. In that, it wasn't a surprising um, revelation when these came out. Um, and what we have to realize is that the stealing, uh really shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, the previous papers, the Paradise Papers, revealed that billions of dollars were routed through um, offshore and other jurisdictions to avoid tax and shelter wealth, much of it actually legally. And what it did was it confirmed that these activities were normal practice. And so, um, you know, if we use these ideas um, and these revelations as normal practice, you know, what is the next iteration? And really, when the Cook Islands, actually, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists um, produced the Cook Islands data leak back in, I think it was 2011, um, you know, that was a shock, because that was the first time one of these leaks had come come right. through. Um, and then after that, it was the Panama Papers with uh, Mossack um, Fonseca. So really, you know, it went from this this, this outrage in the in the public sphere now to uh, you know we're not surprised so really it's it's a change in the public attitude towards these um, these things and really what needs to happen now is that we need to um, actually uh, you know put our governments accountable to you know exactly uh, what is is, is you know, trying to uh, stir up in society.
0: And that's an important point because, you know, even going through these papers, in in the vast majority of the case, and there's, there's no allegations that anybody's done anything illegal. It's exploited um, loopholes that are there, and it's that difference between tax evasion and, and tax avoidance, right? I mean, in a lot of cases, what these people have done is perfectly legal.
1: Yeah, and, and really that's, that's for each society and each government and each country to decide um, to what extent... Um, Are they willing to, um, you know, give certain breaks or certain, um, uh, you know, treaty allowances to to countries and and their their corporations? And really, to what effect is that going to have on their society and the larger society? So really, Canada needs a conversation with its people on exactly what they want, um, really, and what they're willing to sacrifice in order to get to the level of taxation that they're willing to Um, really be uh, palatable to um, in order to not have these loopholes continuously um, and egregiously, uh, you know, exploited.
0: Yeah, and you know, that whole tax the rich sentiment has obviously always been part of politics, but it's probably more so now. I mean, Joe Biden, the current president of the United States, saying he needs to do it. you got Bernie Sanders, you got got Jagmeet Singh in Canada. But when you take a look at some of the people that are wrapped up in these papers, in many cases it is the powerful people it is the politicians themselves that are taking advantage of these is that part of the problem why nothing has really happened even though we've known this has been a problem
1: um i think the systemic issue has has been i mean so for as long as there's been tax there's been tax evasion yep. and really what's what's changed over the last few decades um actually if you look from a if i put my sociologist cap on anthropological hat on, and I look at the history of how and what's sort of happened in the last 20 years that has made this a bit more significant, is actually being a shift in um, the way corporate service providers have provided services. Um, so historically there's a study done um, through uh, a couple of um, American sociologists who looked at um, family law firms and so, when you had a corporation, or when you had a trust, or when you had just a lot of money that needed to be managed, you usually had like a family law firm that managed your assets. And uh, over a period of time, these corporate service providers and um, the accounting firms are one group. So, the big four accounting groups: uh, PwC, um, Ernst and Young, uh, and, and the other two. Um, but basically, they decided to start uh, competing for uh, the work of these, you know, law firms would often provide sound advice to these family uh, companies to say, you know, you, you probably shouldn't engage in this type of tax behaviour. Um, and so it was, it was sort of a, an outreach of these corporate service providers who wanted um, to basically diversify or expand their, their service offerings to kind of dawdle do- into a bit of law and a bit of sort of tax tax uh, planning or tax schemes. Um, and really, um, as, as they started to take the businesses of these, um, you know, law firms, uh, law firms had to compete and offer what was being demanded of by their clients. And so there's this, like, competition happening amongst these professionals who all, you know, have the same client, um, which is, you know, a, a family company or a multinational corporation. And they're both trying to compete for, you know, the, the, the services to, to um, you know, entice the client. And obviously, one of those things is to say, I can save you money, Um, and this is how we can do it, through these structures. Um, And so there's a story there of really looking at the enablers of economic crime, and also enablers of tax avoidance uh, schemes, and they do lie solely in the people who are actually conjuring these schemes. And so we really need to take a a very close look at our professionals and these corporate service providers um, uh, to say, you know, hey... What are you doing? And and B, you know, is this uh, is this going to go unpunished?
0: But don't we have to take a look at the tax codes themselves? I mean, Donald Trump famously said when his tax returns came out, he said, "Well, that doesn't make me crooked. That makes me smart. I did what I'm allowed to do to pay as little tax as possible." He's right, essentially. I mean, if you're using the tax code to your advantage to pay as little tax as possible, you know, you can you can talk about people need to do the right thing, but. Do, doesn't the tax law need to be looked at and revamped and and more teeth added so these kinds of things can't happen?
1: This this actually reminds me of um, an article that the Globe and Mail published quite some time ago, and it said uh, it was after the um, I think the global financial crisis and then the, the first data leak. Yeah, and the 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 headline said we need a global army of tax collectors to to collect more taxes, and and really that was a, a problem to to. Uh, a symptom. So one of the symptoms was that we were losing tax money right. to to outside uh, outside of Canada, and really changing the tax code. Um, to me, sounds like you know this other symptom of 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 a much larger issue that really can't be uh, approached through just one avenue. I think it needs to be a concerted effort in you know maybe looking at the tax code. But changing the tax law, you know, really requires a significant amount of work. And what we know from these papers is that, you know, these corporate service providers or these, these um, uh, schemes are very nimble. Yeah. They're incredibly fast. And they operate at the speed of light. In fact, there are these trusts called closing door trusts whereby as soon as somebody um, makes an inquiry into them, they automatically um, dissipate or they shut down and the assets from that, that trust actually move to another trust. So there are these very clever people um, in these places who are thinking about these things mm-hmm. so that by the time these tax codes are, are, are modified and, you know, it, it can take months and years to, to modify tax code, um, you know, we're, we're always going to be uh, sort of uh, two steps behind um all of these uh, uh, issues we're trying to resolve. So it may be that we need to review it, but I don't think uh, a change in it is uh, a, a single-pronged approach going to be as effective as looking at the whole system of, um, of of what's happening.
0: So like you said, this is the third time these kinds of papers have been released, these reports have been done. It makes people really angry and it grabs headlines for a little while, but you don't think we'll see lasting change come from these kinds of exposés?
1: I think it it depends on the appetite of citizens, individual um, uh, groups. Um, uh, Civil society organizations have been very powerful and have been very persuasive in um, coordinating efforts. Canadians for Tax Fairness, for example, uh, Tax Justice Network, um, but also um, other groups that are not tax-specific. They've been really good at such such as as, um, Oxfam um, or Christian Aid. They've been really good at highlighting the, um, you know, issues that that are, you know, very specific and very, you know, at the heart of what's what's bothering. I think Canadian citizens and citizens of the world. Um, And unless we, as individuals, can um, really zero in in on exactly what we are, um, you know, really uh, passionate about, um, it's not really going to, to change a whole lot until we, as individuals. Uh, recognize what is important to us and how we might get to um you know addressing
0: that yeah and force our governments to respond uh dr Uh, hensmith thank you so much for your time this morning i appreciate it oh no problem thank you thank you very much for joining us that's dr may hensmith a researcher at mcgill university faculty of law and the university of cambridge uh department of sociology and i and i guess that's the rub and some of you pointing out the text you know when the rich and powerful are the ones making up these rules why would we expect them to do anything that might make this harder for them to do? And I think that's the problem. Ian says, unfortunately, it's the people on the inside that makes the, make the tax rules, and it gives them the advantage. Uh, you know. And like I say, when that report came out, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, who's on the list this time? But not in any way was I surprised that this was happening and continues to happen and will continue to happen.